Hey everyone, Dirty Mo Media President Mike Davis here. Excited to tell you about one of our newest sponsors at Dirty Mo, Airbnb. The irony here is that Airbnb is new to Dirty Mo Media, but Dirty Mo Media is not new to Airbnb. It has been accommodating us for years. And if you are a race fan, and I think you are, you know why. I mean, you've booked hotels at, uh, during a race weekend. They're, the prices are insane. You're stuck with these unreasonable multi-night minimums. Whereas Airbnb, you got many choices, all within proximity, and it ends up being way more affordable. Now, I'm not only a frequent Airbnb guest, but my wife and I are also Airbnb hosts. And you should be too. We've been doing it for years. I'll tell you why. We have an investment property that we realized it could be earning additional income through Airbnb. You don't have to have an investment property to do that. You could just find extra space in your home. That works too. It all could be making you some extra cash. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. It's Tuesday, February 28th, 2023, episode 418. Dirty Air and Ash Jr. on deck this morning. I'm in the Bojangles studio with my buddy Mike. How's it going, Mike? It's going well, man. You're back from the dead. Oh man, it was rough last week. What happened to you? I mean, I had a... I had this little bronchitis thing going on. I you was have, all, I have was this all congested. Every year. Yeah, it, yeah, it seems to happen every me. year. Um, but I was stopped up. Boy, I'm telling you, every wind tunnel and air tunnel I had was taped up and sealed off like I was going for the for the lap. Plugged like up. I was going down. I was going for the track record in every yeah. every which way. I couldn't breathe, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But I'm back. Man, I'm glad you're back. Uh we had a great uh you know, we had a great little uh, week last week and got some help. Yeah. Sea Tart came in. I thought we had a lot of fun talking to him and um, got to promote uh, Dirty Mo Doe that he's doing for us every Thursday. And then Kelly helped me with uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt. And we ended up, you know, Jeffrey had been on the show before. So I'm always apprehensive to bring people back for the second time. We've already talked to him. Uh, you've already heard about him. But uh, Kelly, I thought, could bring some new information or at least a new perspective uh, on on Jeffrey and his role in the family and all those things. So uh, if you haven't listened to any of that stuff, go check it out. Uh, last week's stuff was pretty good. Uh, let's get started. Man, I, my ass is stressed out. Stressed I had out. a Yes. I had a – so we get up this morning. I had to get – well, Amy and I had to get both girls ready for school. Mm. Isla was mad since – I was mad when we woke her up. Mad, we'll get out of bed. Today's Farmer Week. I don't know what that is, right? Everybody, you know, kids dress up like farmer. A farmer Week. It's like at a Doctor Seuss Week or okay. something, where they're kind of like each day's kind of a different day. Yeah. Well, it's Farmer Day, I guess. Okay. And so their clothes are are vaguely farmer-ish. You know, nothing too over the top. Isla is not wanting to dress like a farmer. I'm like, Isla, it's overalls and a shirt. It's not really that farmer-like. And uh, boy, she refused to put it on because she didn't want to be a farmer. Won't eat her breakfast. I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. I'm like, you've been asleep all night long. I know you're not telling the truth. It pushed me to like this sort of weird breaking point where like I'm about to get angry. I'm about to get mad. I'm about to yell. But uh, <laughs> I'm struggling with this, man. I'm telling you. I mean, I'm talking to you as a, as a parent who's been through this. Yeah. So she's four. Yeah. She's about to be five. She gives She gives these vibes off, though, that she knows better. Like I don't want to say, oh well, you know, I'm gonna give her a little time because she's four. I I should, you know, I should I should calm down and go easy because she's four. She's smart enough to know 
that right is right and wrong is wrong and this is the way to behave and doing this is not going to end well, acting cer- or a certain way isn't going to end well. And so I guess maybe sometimes I might expect a little bit too much out of her, but I don't know, this morning I had enough stress stress in the one hour it took us to get up, get going, get up, get ready, get to school. I had enough stress for the week in that one moment. Uh, I really wish I could, I know I needed to do it all differently, but I ain't got a clue what I would have done different. You walk away from a lot of things in life and go, you know, I could have changed this, I could have changed that, or I'm pretty happy with how it went, whatever. But in that hour, I don't know what I needed to do to make it click in her mind. This is so interesting because, first of all, let me ask you, did she end up dressing like a farmer or no? She put her clothes on. Uh, I went up. Is she I at finally, school right now with, as a farmer? Yes. She's in school wearing what her mother picked out. Okay. I finally said to Amy, I'm going to go on upstairs. I, I really needed just to back out of the situation because I was just, you know, I – I've, you know, I've read a little bit and I've heard a little bit and, and Amy and I talk a lot about, you know, how to, how to parent. And I know that you're, you know, to raise your voice and get angry and, and, and yell is not going to imprint the right information into the brain of this child to make them go, okay, next time I'm going to do this and that and the other and we'll do this, or I'm just going to straighten right up. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So I know... I know that if I were to yell at them in that moment, that I wouldn't have the right impact, not the intended effect, right? Now, there is a way to be stern. There is a way to handle it uh, and demand, you know, be stern and strict, right? And you can raise your voice. I don't, I'm not against all those things, but I know the way – I know that I'm not good enough at doing that, that I would get the right intended reaction from her. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to go upstairs, get ready. I got to take a shower. I got to get my clothes on. And so Amy, in the time while I was upstairs, got things moving in the right direction, slowly but surely. But we get on the phone after I drop the kids off, and both of us feel like, man, we got pushed to the, to the, to the brink mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of maybe being, you know, being angry or, or yelling or whatever. And um, we're glad we didn't. Obviously, in all those situations, you know, these happen all the time for parents. But uh, I also feel like, you know, you know, I, my dad was, you did not want to piss him off. He was going to get the belt. You were going to get a whooping. And when he was mad, you were terrified. And that kept my ass in line. I wasn't going to go do anything stupid, stupid. Now, I was, I misbehaved. I, I didn't do a chore or I might have told a little lie here or there, but I wasn't going to do nothing massive. And Amy's dad was much different in, in how he disciplined them, but she had the same respect for him. Same, like, I don't want to disappoint him. I'm not going to do anything too crazy, right? And so I'm, I'm, I guess, you know, I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, I, I know that she's four, but I'm thinking, man, what we're doing today is steering the direction of yeah. where they are 10, five, 10 years from now, right? Yeah. This is their most impressionable years right yeah, now. Right. Yeah. Right. So it is, it is important to like have a little concern because how you do, you know, whatever you don't do right now, you're going to have to fix twofold, threefold yeah. in two or three years. Right. And so if she doesn't real, you know, realize that she, if she doesn't have that, I guess I love I'm talking about, if she doesn't have that sort of respect and fear, for lack of a better word, of, of, of upsetting her parents 
in, in some form, even minimal right now at four years old, then man, she's going to be impossible to, to, to handle it down the road. That's my worry. Right. That's my worry too. Anytime. It's so funny about this. First of all, I got two thoughts. One is this is when it's great to have, you know, a spouse. I feel so bad for single parents because when you have that counterbalance, you got the bad guy and the good guy and they alternate a good bit. I could not imagine parenting, being a single parent in those situations. It's a shout out to all of you single parents because it is not easy. It's not easy when you have your spouse in the house. And yet this is when those advantages take place. When you, you know, you got the, my wife and I, we have our good moments. We have our bad moments. And there's always the counterbalance. One of us plays that role so that we can be consistent with our kids. Consistency is one of the most important parts in my opinion. Now, the second thing that's funny about this is that you fell in the same trap that I fell into. You know what it is? It's these ridiculous, inconsequential things that we should not be getting mad over, but then it, it lights our fuse, and now it's a principle that we have to defend. Yeah. Like, okay, go to, go to school and don't be a farmer. Big freaking deal, right? Like, okay, so you're not going to be a farmer on Farmer Day. Big deal. But that's not the problem. The problem is, is that, sh- is she going to get away with this? She's going to be okay in disappointing me? Or she's going to be okay in... in uh, you know, changing the expectations. That's the problem. I had the same problem. I was so mad at my daughters, both of them, that they did not like the way the movie Rudy ended. And I'm like, <laughs> see, there's a principle, there's a life principle there that if you don't ever quit and you keep after it, you'll, you'll, you'll succeed in life. And they're like, that was the most boring movie I've ever watched. And I, and I got furious. And then it's like, I'm getting mad. And they're like, are you really getting mad over a movie? And it's like, I'm getting mad over a movie. But it's not the movie. It's the principle. And I don't want you guys to miss this. And so it's all these, like, we, we apply these life. We feel like if they don't appreciate this, then when they're 20, they're going to they're gonna suck as a human being. And then we overthink it. That's all you're doing. And the fact of the matter is, is Isla's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. She's going to be want, fine. No. But, but you got to just say, you had, your, you had your bad cop, which was you this morning. Yeah. And I think she's got to know that you were disappointed. But you had your good cop, and that was Amy, who came through and, and, and got her in her yeah. overalls or whatever she, she dressed up. And then, and you know what? Isla's not even going to remember this. I uh, know, this but damn, all I'm saying is, is that when I, say, when, I, when I say sit at the table and eat your breakfast, she sits at her table and eats her breakfast. She doesn't turn to me and go, I ain't hungry, and shoves her plate across the table. That right there is bull****. Yeah, and that's, don't let yeah you can't get away that's with that. the stuff they can't get away with that. no that's the stuff that's that pisses me off and i don't know exactly how hard to push her in that moment i have because i mean i'm I've, i'll be honest man i don't know if i did enough homework studied up for this test because <laughs> i, can promise I you. feel hey. i feel way under trained yeah and and not i don't feel like i don't feel like I, i'm a very good parent in moments like that there's moments when I feel like I did a good job, man. I hit a home run there, and but then there's these moments where I'm like, "Wow, I am not ready for this, or I'm not equipped to handle what's happening. I'm not make, and if I don't make the right choice, I've I've not not I've, I've didn't seize the opportunity to parent well, right? And make a and 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 that's a that's a core moment or core memory maybe, right? Yeah. 
And so the one thing she remembers from her childhood is when the time she you, may, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> this, I know what you mean. T- now, now tomorrow morning, you know, are we going to sit at the breakfast table and and tell Daddy and Mommy, no, I'm not hungry, and shove her shove her plate again? Um, you know those how how. How how far will this spiral? Well, what's or the is it or is it really meaningless? There's right? got to be a consequence for it. If there's a consequence for that behavior, that's then the, the problem. I don't know what the consequence should be. Well, like how how do what am I gonna do? I mean, I you know what am I gonna do that's gonna make her go? Oh, shoot! That's a, that's that's not good. I need to. I guess I need to eat this food. I'm having a hard time really knowing how to. Cause man, we'll tell her stuff, and she's like, "It's not like yeah, I don't care. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna miss this toy." Um, yeah, we'll, we'll. I walk in there and I'll say, "I'm, ta- I'm taking the, sh- uh, the, the, you know, the bouncy house, and I'm gonna throw the damn thing in the trash." And yeah, she gets upset and cries, but she ain't trying to eat her food. She's like worried about the bouncy house. <laughs> now she's left the table entirely, wondering where, you know, going into the wherever the toy is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take away or get rid of now she's worried about that i don't know it's something man we, i'm telling you oh uh, we've got uh all i got we've got all, guests in here and they're cracking up at us right now Dale. Course, I, I hope everybody probably is is uh wondering where the hell this is going my whole point is is like to this morning was a freaking exercise in patience and uh i am glad to be sitting at this table and i, I can spew this horse out yeah and get the pressure off i'm I am built up What's up, Download listeners? It is the biggest time of the year right now for college basketball. And I will tell you, regardless of who makes it to the final game in the tourney, one thing is for certain. It takes the most talented people working together to help these teams play at the next level. And if you are hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. And how do you do that? Zip Recruiter. That's right, man. We just went through a big hiring process ourselves, mm-hmm. and it was helpful to have Zip Recruiter's powerful technology, which starts showing you qualified people for it immediately after you post your job. Yeah, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. Pick Zip Recruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on Zip Recruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try Zip Recruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Anyways, um, let's get right to it, man. Uh, this past weekend, Fontana, it's last race. Uh, every you know, Everybody's all upset because such a great racetrack, so much great racing. Uh, multi-groove puts on a lot of uh, has a lot, you know, there's so many great things to say about Fontana. Am I right? Um, <laughs> I, I, I a few things. All right. So I'm, I'm going to, I hate to do this because it's unpopular, but you know, this track's been like this for quite a while. I mean, this track has raced this way for a good long time. It's put on some great finishes. And for whatever reason, that didn't sell a lot of tickets out there. Thank you. And I'll be honest. This is exactly like uh, Atlanta, in mm-hmm. the sa- you know Atlanta wide track, run to top, run to bottom. All the drivers loved it. Not many tickets sold to Atlanta over the last fifteen twenty years. 
especially in the last decade. So while I agree, look, I love Fontana. I really wanted to run in that Xfinity race. It, it is a fun racetrack to run, but man, there is a disconnect for me somewhere between everybody's opinion of the racetrack, especially now that it's going away, and the physical, you know, what what has been going on there in the last 10 years in terms of attendance and 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 general you know appreciation i guess for the racetrack itself yeah like like everybody's forgetting all the problems that fontana had well yeah the weepers and the back the back straightaway is rough as hell to it's it's i you know that's one thing that i forget about they should have paved the damn back straightaway years ago to just alleviate the issues but look you know the track's gone it's going away they sold the property we talked about that last Mm -hmm. week and everybody kind of wants to know what the future is for the racetrack the the track president's like you know more information's coming down the pipe can't wait to can't wait to tell you fill you in i've seen some renderings i know a little bit about what i think is going to happen with this racetrack the first idea for for reconfiguring this racetrack was in some way somehow they want to do all this now let's move on the track's gone all right everybody get rid of the emotions of that okay get rid of those emotions track's gone so, what the track wants to do is build a short track. What they want to do is basically use a, a large portion of what is currently there with the front grandstands. They're going to use the footprint of the front straightaway. I don't know if they keep the banking or they, you know, they fill in that interior, in, you know, infield and bring it up a little bit. Uh, I would think that you know maybe you could keep the front straightaway banking, but the transition into turn one with so much banking on the straightaway would would have to be unique. It'd have to be quite steep, yeah. In terms of what the banking would be in the turns for the for this front straightaway re- to retain its current um, degree of banking. So that's that's a bit of a challenge for me. Concern number one, I guess, is transitions from the front straightaway and the banking you have there into a turn, and then the transition off of turn two onto whatever the back straightaway is going to be. Will it have the same amount of banking as the front? Those are some questions. The other thing was is they were going to try to fit this racetrack, Mike, in between. They weren't going to tear the suites down in the back straightaway. You know, I'm not the back straightaway, sorry. The pit road. The pit road suites. Pit road, yeah. So they were going to try to keep those suites, right, and then put the back straightaway literally where pit road is. Yeah. I don't know how that works with the degree of banking and in, in the angles of the uh, turn. That would have made such a tight turn. Turn one and two and three and four would have been uh, unrealistically tight. Uh, and so high re- high chance of just utter, utter failure in terms of how this track would have raced, how the cars would have cornered, and how the drivers would have reacted. Um, so they were going to try to put the racetrack – literally using the front straightaway as is, turn around a corner and go back the other way up the up the pit road. Mm-hmm. And that would have just been too narrow of a turn, right? Turn one and two would have been way too sharp. The loads and bankings, none of that stuff would have worked out well. I think there was finally um, an opportunity for developers and designers to understand that, and now they have grasped this idea that man the suites got to go those suites on the on pit road they wanted to keep those those were going to be probably uh some nice you know nice tickets uh for fans to be able to watch the race uh from a good vantage point unique to to that racetrack 
but they realized, you know, well, that's too small of a footprint to put the racetrack in. So they're going to knock those suites down. And when you look at these renders that we're seeing online, um, where did this one come from? This is from Bob Pockers. Bob Pockers tweeted it out. So you can see over on off a of turn two the uh, the current garages or some of the current garages those little yeah gray things so that gives you an idea of how far they're going to take the back straightaway into the current floor uh, footprint of the racetrack itself or the property so now we have a much better curvature for one and two and three and four and that really, really makes me happy. I think that actually being able to knock these suites out on the back straightaway or on the pit road suites and move this racetrack and take up the space that it really is going to require to be a good racetrack is really smart. Uh, it does take it from a half mile to a little bit larger of a racetrack, almost three quarters of a mile or so. Now, the question remains, what to do with the front straightaway in terms of the banking? That is a very banked straightaway that's fine for the two-mile, mile-and-a-half course. But for this short track, if you're going to have that much banking on the straightaway, the turns would more than likely require more. And again, that creates some challenges on the transition. You need the banking uh, to remain off of the exit of turn two. So now you've got an elevated back straightaway, just like the front stretch, right? So that's a bunch of dirt that's got to come in there and be put on the ground to be able to get all of this to sort of match. All right, and so uh, the the question for me is, what are the what's the what's the you know what's the banking on the front straightaway? What are they going to do the back straightaway? You don't want that to be a flat straightaway, relatively flat straightaway, and have the banking just fall off on turn two before the corner ends. I mean, it could this could this this that that right there, and I know I'm making no sense whatsoever. No, you're making sense. I'm I'm following you. Whether this whether this succeeds or not all hinges on how they configure the racetrack and the transitions into the turns and out of the turns if that does not is if that's not nailed perfectly it will not race well and the drivers won't want to go there and so i would encourage a couple things for 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 the track owners. I would encourage them to use simulation uh, pro- programs like iRacing, which I, I believe yeah. they are absolutely doing. I would assume they would be. I would also encourage to include as many cup drivers in the development and the design of this racetrack as possible, particularly on this simulation side. These guys have rigs in their house. Get them this, you know, get them the the various versions of the future Fontana Motor Speedway, get that on their racetrack. Get, uh, you know, whatever auto club's going to be, get them various versions. Say, hey, man, try this one, try this one, try this one, try A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Different bankings, different transitions. Tell me which one you like the best. And get driver feedback. And I'm telling you, man, when you got the drivers on your side, when you get them excited about a pro, uh, you know a, any kind of project, that's what's going to bring the fan on board. You know, the questions that I have. I'm a fan. All right, so if I hear the drivers go, man, I've tried this thing. It's going to be great. Well, that eases all my concerns. If if I got if I hear two or three or four reputable cup guys telling me that 
they're pretty excited about it, then mm, I'm going to be excited even before I even see it. So that would be, uh, that'd be uh, probably a good, a good direction, I think, for the – and they may be going in that direction. Um, I know that they're trying to use simulation to help you know, get this right, but they need to include the drivers because, damn, dude, I mean, that's free press. If you get these guys on board and they're chattering about this thing, helping you, like promote the, the new future of this place, why yeah. wouldn't you want that? I assume you mean a select group of drivers, not every driver out there. Like you're talking about the key influencers. Is that right? I think the drivers who, A, enjoy simulation, mm-hmm. right? You ain't going to put some driver on a sim rig that can't damn drive a sim rig, right? He ain't going to help you. He's going to be more frustrated than anything. But there's a handful of them that are pretty decent at it. William Byron, uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, Harvick's, done, you know, Harvick's decent on the sim. There's a handful of guys that that would be able to hop on the rig, run some laps around multiple different ideas of configurations and, and bankings and so forth, and say, you know, this is what I'd try, or maybe think about this. You might you might hear some things from the drivers that you're not even considering, right? That's fair, yeah. And so, but the, the point is, is like for anything, what I'm kind of learning is for anything you want to do, a race format, a track reconfiguration, uh, any you know when, when it comes to big ticket stuff that is going to really impact the fan, you got to get the drivers' feedback. Not only include them in trying to develop things like this, but you also need them to like it so that they go out and talk about it favorably. And because if they if you spring this on them, we've seen this in the past with Atlanta and a couple other things. When you sort of hey man, this is how it's going to be. Uh, Atlanta comes to mind, right? They they, they in, didn't like it. They didn't like it. No. No, you had, didn't even give them a chance to. Yeah, and all all that would have probably all that would have probably balanced that out would have been to have at least three or four guys that did like it. Yeah. That failed in you know, that that were roped into the conversation from the start and explained why all these things were happening with Atlanta, right? And so then you got three or four guys going, Hey man, I I know you don't like it or I know this guy over here is not not excited, but this is why this has got to go forward. And and that helps a ton. The yeah. drivers have the biggest, you know, the biggest voice. What do you make of the skepticism or the narrative that's uh, um, that's recently come out saying that you know NASCAR obviously sold this land, but they kept a little less than a hundred acres, right? Yeah. And now there seems to be a skepticism of are they really intending to build this track here? Can you actually have? a world-class facility on Such 95 small, acres yeah. or whatever it is. What are your thoughts to that? Why would they have kept that if they could have sold it? Why would they have kept as it? As valuable as that land is, I wonder why they would want to hang on to it. Good point. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm i with you. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. This is going to cost a lot of money. And, yeah. I mean, it's they're, they're, nobody's came out and said – with enough confirmation or solid, nobody's really came out and give us a, we're excited this is happening. Look at this. We're going to do this. This is what's going on. You it's mean from NASCAR? For, not from anybody. From anybody. Well, yeah. NASCAR has said we're evaluating our you know market it's, in yeah, Southern California. Kind of, it's open-ended and vague. And, it, dude, and, yeah. And, and it leaves room for skepticism. Yes, it does. Yeah, I agree with that. So I, I, I was wondering 
is 90, 90 acres enough to be able to build a track and you know <laughs> all the parking and stuff? And I'm like, well, this is going to be easy. Let's just go see what Martinsville acreage is or what Bristol acreage it's is. A lot. Do, do you know? It's yeah. a lot more. It's a lot more. Like I Googled it, and I don't know how reliable that yeah. is, but I Googled it. Martinsville covers 340 acres. Yeah. So, and I think Bristol's more. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a there's a good reason to be skeptical of it, um, but I also sort of just at a point where like let's see what NASCAR decides that they're going to do with this. We'll yeah. have to wait and see. I know. Um, I think it could be done. Maybe it's just a smaller track that's, that doesn't have big. Well, the grandstands are staying, so we know how many grandstand seats there would be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how they rectify all the that. The concern. I mean, also, man, think about how like how many how many questions we have and concerns we have about the short track package. If we so while this is sort of being determined, right, is, is while they're evaluating what to do with this racetrack, this property, if we run, if we start going through this season and the short track package is still struggling, the excitement around building a short track uh, out of this place is, is going to wane. I mean, you know, any, any, any plan to do something short track uh, outside of the current schedule is not going to be very exciting, right? I guess for people that just look at, you know, the very surface level of everything. I mean, like, how how a track races or how the, the quality of races on a particular track is such a sample size and there's such extraneous factors yeah, that... There is that a massive issue, that. though, with the short track package, Mike. But you don't think that it'll be resolved no one, over, no. the past several, over the next several years? Is that good? Is that going to be quick enough? <laughs> well, the track's not going to be ready for the next couple of years. I agree, but are they going to be... Ex- I mean, are you going to spend all this money... When the actual short track package is pretty, and I think you what? have to, yeah, I really, think, I think you have to have short tracks. Yes, absolutely. We have them. I think we need more. I do too, but we got to yeah. fix the way I, the cars race there. And that's I'm not a, building a brand new racetrack at a track at a you know when the configuration for you know the 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 package for that isn't very good. I just don't define whether a track is is good or bad based off of today and yesterday and tomorrow how the tr- cars race on it i think that there's all these other factors that help determine that certainly the track is one of you know the one that comes to mind to me richmond richmond used to be the most badass track there was and now it's not that was my favorite track it was everybody's favorite track everybody loved going to richmond and now th- that thing can't catch a break i mean people talk like this such a, such a race well i'm not ready to go indict richmond I'm ready to go. Like, okay, the cars now not work. Maybe the That's pavement needs to be repaved. Right. I'm just saying. I don't. Maybe there's other things that need to be happening. I don't think that's a reason not to go build a short track, because the cars today aren't racing well enough on them. They go fix the cars. That's one thing. That's a big yeah. But you're spend, You're not spending your money. Like that's a. I think if you were say if somebody came to you and said, man, two hundred fifty million, uh, we're gonna spend two hundred fifty million of your dollars, and you're looking at the short track package and going, that's I, do I can I wait a minute? Can I see a race or two? Can we can we hold off for about eight or ten months before I sign off on that check? Because I want to see exactly what uh, these changes NASCAR has brought into the sport are gonna do. That's the way I would feel. I would need more than just uh, a slap on the back and hey man, we got it. We're gonna figure it out. I think it's their job to figure it out. I it's need not like I'm, I'm, it's yeah, not a hope or a strategy is not a hope I here. I think that listen, you're gonna have to have a bunch of race tracks. Listen, there was a time when these two mile tracks weren't the raciest things either. I agree. Michigan and California. I've been to some races there. Sure. Now they're awesome. Now they're four or five wide. I mean, those races this past weekend were incredible. It's good race uh, for sure. But I'm just saying. I think that if you can't go pin the glory 
uh, uh, on a racetrack when the races are good, you also can't go blame it necessarily uh, and pin, it, pin the bad things on it. There's another thing I got to say too, man, is uh, uh, this idea that we can't race in, uh, like everybody's saying, you know, well, what are we going to do next year? We're not going to be in Fontana. Where are we going to go? We got to be in Southern California. Where, where, where? Oh, yeah. That I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand that at all. Why can we not, why can we not skip that? Uh, region for a year or two. What's the big deal? I think NASCAR sort of teed us up to think that they're trying to stay there in that region. Right? I don't know and why we can't skip it though, Mike. Why do we have to have? Why do we got to force ourselves to be there? And I, I say my con- my concern is, it you know, are, if it's it it depends on the racetrack they end up taking us to. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna go, hey man, we're gonna be in Southern California. We're gonna have a clat. We're gonna have a, a points rate. To co- it's it's the Coliseum. Coliseum. I'm like, nope. That's for you're forcing it. That's that's not. You're, yeah. That's not what we need to do. If you're saying, man, we're gonna go to a road course or 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 a, a track that's built, that's all, that's got some history. That's that's. Yeah. Now that might be a different conversation that I that I think would be reasonable. Even another road course, unfortunately, I I can't believe I'm saying that. I can't either. But <laughs> I they so badly, I think, want to be in the market, rightfully so. But like, if we missed it a, a year or two while this short track's getting built, is that such a big damn deal? No. Like we don't, we're, we're, I don't hear this outcry from other areas in the country that we're not even competing in. How can we not be in, uh, you know, uh, right uh, the Northeast? Oh my goodness, we missed what decades racing up there. And they are there. You've got to take it a step further. It's Do we really need a points race in this region? Because you do got a race right now. You could stay at the Coliseum and continue to do the Bush Clash there. Whatever. It's an exhibition. The question is, do you put a points race in the Coliseum? And nobody wants that. You can't do it, can you? Yeah, I don't know. NASCAR will figure it out. If they want it, they'll make it happen. Yeah. Oof. That I don't like that. I don't understand yeah. uh, the, 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 this sort of we can't. This infatuation. Yeah, we, where are we going? We can't. We can't not come here. That was uh, that is surprising to me. I hear it from other media, like that's we got to find a place to race in Southern California. Where is that going to be? Where can where can we go compete? We certainly can't just not come. And I'm like, well, why couldn't you not come? <laughs> I mean, how many racetracks did we not go to during the pandemic? Uh, there were a lot of places that we just didn't race at. Right? We we skipped a couple that we were going to and then you know when the pandemic was over or whatever they we went back to racing at those places right. it was still there yeah yep. i mean what? It, it was still there it, yeah yeah i hear you i hear you on that i don't know we'll I, see that i'm finding i'm fascinated by that that sort of you know we have to be there kind of mentality Hey, Download listeners, supervising producer Andrew Curlin here. Are supply chain issues still disrupting operations? Well, let me tell you, Graybar has you covered. They are the leader in distribution of electrical, communications, data networking, and industrial products. Professionals across the country rely on Graybar's nationwide logistics network to get them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. That's right, and they're operating with one clear mission, to serve as the vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. Let me tell you, here's what makes them different, is you know being able to effectively navigate supply chains 
to get products on site and on time is so crucial these days. And Graybar's nationwide logistics network is a game changer in keeping projects on task. So when you need a hand powering, connecting, or maintaining your operations, join thousands of professionals who rely on Graybar to help keep them up and running. Check out Graybar. Visit graybar.com to start an order today. Kyle Busch wins in the second start for RCR and um, <clears throat> his 19th straight season with a victory, which is now a new record. There were uh, It was a fascinating race, man. Like you said, it was fun to watch. Kyle had an amazing race car. Reddick won stage one and two in that car last year. Kyle talked about how you know good they ran there in the past, and it just seemed like it got even better. And as the race went on, his car got faster and faster, and he became the class of the field. In the final stage, I uh, I I was uh, pretty pretty surprised. My I had friends texting me going, "Man, I'm I'm having all these conflicting emotions. Uh, <laughs> I don't I never liked Kyle. I don't want to pull for Kyle, but now he's driving a Chevy, and I'm I like RCR, and uh, duh, duh. and they were all like having these uh, interesting uh, emotions about Kyle going to you know going on and winning this race. Ultimately, I think. In general, everybody's pretty happy about it. You know, there's not. I don't hear anybody going, "Damn, I hated that. I wish that wouldn't happen." Right? Nobody's acting that way. Am I right? I, I haven't heard it. Yeah. I'm assuming they're out there. Nine percent of the people uh, on Jeff Gluck's poll said that that was a bad race. I don't know who those nine percent are, but they've fallen off their rockers. So, like, I, like <laughs> there's, there's always, people out there yeah. that are going to say it. I don't know who they are. Though. Yeah. But um, and I'll say this too, man. Uh, the the number font that they so they had that old block eight. And that new eight on that car is, I like it. I like the new number font. I just, you know, I'm a, de- I'm a paint scheme guy. Oh, so. no, that's hilarious that that's the thing that jumps out. I mean, like, to be honest with you, um, I would expect nothing less. You're going to notice the changes of a yeah. font of a number. And his, I didn't. And his number's rather big in comparison to what, you know, NASCAR made this sort of template. You couldn't get, you couldn't come outside of this box. And um, the numbers were kind of tiny and, and weird. And now there's more freedoms, I guess, that they're giving the teams to do whatever they want, except for being able to put the number wherever they want. But their um, their numbers are kind of big, which I kind of think slapped on the side of that car. It just looked really good this weekend. Uh, so I don't know. I I um I had some sort of mixed feelings about it. You know, I don't know what I don't really know how I felt about it. But I was happy for Richard, uh, and I think Kyle is. Uh, you know, there's, there's some conversations about. Well, Kyle's one of the greatest drivers to ever do it. We heard it from Kyle Larson, from Chase Elliott after the race. They're like, why is everybody surprised about this? Why is this such a big deal? He's great. He's good. And I think that's all true. I agree with that. I think he's there's, – there's probably eight, roughly, drivers that you could put in the argument of the five best to ever do it. Kyle's one of those eight. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to have a different Mount Rushmore, right? Kyle is definitely, definitely – in the conversations as one of the most raw, talented race car drivers that's ever came into the I mean, cup, he's only 37. I mean, he, think about how many years he's still 37 to 43 is probably every driver's peak yeah. uh, moment in, in, in terms of when, where, 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 you know, risk-taking and, 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 and experience and savviness and patience, all those things sort of cross at, at a point. In a, in a person's life, and in NASCAR and in stock car drivers, it seems to be that 35 or 37 to 43 year 
you know that he's really coming into what I could what could be his best years as a driver. Now whether you know what what that means in terms of like true victories and and success on the racetrack remains to be seen. This car was fast at this racetrack last year. It looked a little better with Kyle driving it this year. Um, I wanted to talk about that team for a minute. Um, there's only one crew member, over, the only only one over the wall guys that remains from last year. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, so it's the, a whole new team. Yeah, the Jack Man. I want to get this right. Josh Sebecki. Uh, he is the only person, the over the wall crew that's that's there from last year. There's a lot of guys on that team that are from different teams. Uh, the front tire carrier, Brian Backus, is from the 23 last year. Uh, Lamar Neal from the 42 is a tire carrier last year. So different people from from different teams uh, making up uh, his crew this year. But everybody that's on the pit box, everybody that's part of the the road crew is still the same from that team last year. And one person in in particular is uh, fascinating to me. Former late model driver, he's a winning driver, uh, is the car chief on this car. His name's Clay Alexander, and the last name should mean something to everybody. Um, that is Mike Alexander's son. Mike Alexander was a prolific short track racer, uh, Nashville Fairgrounds. He actually got into uh, Xfinity, got all the way to the Cup Series, was sort of the one to take over uh, when Bobby Allison was injured in the Miller car. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Alexander was kind of that guy that was that was that was chosen to to maybe be the next, um, you know, the fill in, you know, follow Bobby's you know, shoes in that car and take over and take that car back to Victor Lane. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Crashes and injuries and so forth um, derailed Mike's career, but he was a prolific short track racer uh, and, and somebody we should consider having on this show at some point. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I had no idea that Clay was his son, and, and that I have so much respect now, more respect for Clay. <laughs> so you were cheering the pedigree, this. right? Yeah. It, it, you know the, and also another thing I want to say is his crew chief, uh, Randall Burnett. I was so surprised that he didn't go with Reddick when Reddick went uh, to 2311. He stays, he gets Kyle Bush, and whether he knew that was happening beforehand or early in the process, I don't know, but that guy is a rock star. The car that he put under Kyle this weekend uh, is was incredible. He's giving him a piece every week. Yeah, I mean every week they they are just up there in the front. Yeah, it's in, it's pretty impressive to see. Uh, I think that um, you know we're gonna hear a lot. We're gonna hear that name a lot uh, this year. We heard it a lot last year. They won three races last year. They were a fast car, uh, but I believe that like like we said with Kyle's age and where he is in his career. These the stars are aligning uh, for them to be one of the contenders throughout throughout the season. I wasn't sure what to expect. I told Kyle uh, he he asked me what what I thought about going to RCR, and I was apprehensive. I was like, you know, I didn't know what Randall. I, I didn't think Randall was going to be there. And I'm thinking, man, you know, what kind of car are you going to have? Who's your crew chief going to be? Where's the company in terms of is it is it is it trending upwards? Is it trending downwards? There's just no mm. no right answer here. And uh, I was apprehensive, man, but he chose to go there, and he's got one of the best crew chiefs in the garage. At least that's the perception right now. Got a great team around him. And Denny said on his podcast that the that the RCR motors are the best out there right now. Yeah, I mean, like their motor program right now is just hitting. It's hitting. Yeah, 
There's something else, though, Denny said. I want, I want to get And the Chevys. And, and this, the, all the Chevys. The right. Chevrolets are Chevys good. Chevys are doing good everywhere. That's right. There's something I want your opinion on sure. here. It's kind of related to this. Denny asked a question. He goes, I wonder where AD's head is in all this. AD being Austin Dillon. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, RCR's last four wins have all been by Austin's teammate. Now, as it's been well reported, Austin made the phone call to Kyle to try to get him yep. and recruit him over there. Uh, Jared Allen uh, on Denny's show asked the question, do drivers really want their teammates to succeed? Um, <laughs> I know what I think on that. What do you think on that? You've been in the situation of having to be Jimmy Johnson's teammate when he was clicking off yeah. everything. What is Austin Dillon right now thinking? And, and, and does, is he, we're all going to, we all know they're going to say the right thing. Yeah. We're all going to wear a smile. But as Denny said on Actions Detrimental, that smile will wear off after a while. I think that Austin is fine with Kyle going out there and outrunning him. I think that Austin, you know, as long as Austin's not mired back in the top, you know, the backside of the, you know, the 20s, if he rallied and finished in the top 10, he was up toward the front at the end of the Daytona race at points. And so, I mean, as long as he is running relatively well, I think that that will, um, that will satisfy him. I think that he knew when he called Kyle Busch and brought Kyle in that Kyle was going to show him up. I think he knew that. He had to. He was calling right? a world-class talent. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that Austin – I don't – you know, Austin's young. How long does he want to race? That's up to him. But I think that Austin knows that if he's ever going to be in position to run that company someday, he's he's got to make sure that company survives. He's got to make sure that he has talent in there. He can't bring in – if he's a B guy or a C driver, he can't bring in D and F drivers – to run behind him intentionally and expect that company to be there for him 15, 20 years from now. So if, if he's smart, he brought in Kyle Busch so that Kyle can win races, elevate this brand, and keep pushing this company forward so it can survive another 20 years. And that when it's his turn to take over the helm, which could be sooner than later, uh, that, that it's, it's a healthy team people want to come work for and drivers want to come drive for. And so this was a really unique scenario where you had Reddick wanting to leave, mm-hmm. thinking that the pasture was greener where he was going, and, a, and one of the best drivers in NASCAR coming there out of uh, possibly because of uh, limited options elsewhere, right? There was nowhere else to go. Everyone else, you know, the inn was full everywhere. So it was a very uh, fortunate, lucky break for RCR to be able to get Kyle uh, and a driver of his talent. And they are now both working toward, uh, you know, elevating that brand and that company up to an A-team, like a HMS, Penske, and it's close. They've done it. Yeah. I think they've already done it. I mean, like, they, I, they, they have – they there was skepticism in, what, in, in where I, RCR was, and all of a sudden that skepticism one, is gone. I don't fall for that. Okay. So this is the that bothers me. We go to the clash – and Priest runs really good, and everybody's like, oh, Priest's going to have an awesome year. We talked about that on this show. Mm-hmm. Kyle goes and wins that race. The eight car ran good there. They run to both stages there. It's a fast race car at that racetrack, and you put one of the best drivers in it, and it wins the race. It shouldn't be a shock. It shouldn't be a surprise. But I need a bigger sample okay, size. Fair. I need several I more. You. Let's go to some more racetracks. Let's, let's be patient about just what we think they can accomplish. I won't be shocked if they win six races, but if they only win two or three, I won't be shocked either. 
Um, it's not easy to run to win and be successful in this series, and um, but they're certainly, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say they're at Penske, uh, you know, Hendrick level yet in terms of just a brand and a, and a company and organization, but they are rising fast. Yeah, and so if if Kyle can go out there and keep it up, top fives wins, uh, you know, assert himself as a championship favorite a month, two months into the season. Then certainly they they are uh, they're not the RCR of old. Uh, that's another that's the same thing with Kyle. I think that um, you know I need you know I everybody is positive on Kyle right now, and I I am too. I I think you know this might. I wonder if his situation at Gibbs was just so miserable, and that was what made him an insufferable human being. Is that just his situation was that frustrating for him uh, that he could not help but let that sort of shine in a lot of things that went on in, in his world, right? And we, got to, we, would, we would be exposed to it. Now in this new environment, a completely different culture, is he less stressed out? Is he, does he feel surrounded by all the things that he really needs and wants? And is this sort of, you know, is this, is it, are we going to see a new version of Kyle Bush, I hope so, and and I. But again, I need like let's get down the road of several more weeks, see some you know, see how it goes. The ups and downs of NASCAR uh, will expose everybody, and you know you've seen the worst in me in moments, and so I feel like that you know my I'm gonna be a little patient on 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 you know what the, what I think their potential is this year, but out of the gate, it's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. I, and I and I'm I'm happy for RC. Listen, I'm not even talking about the fact that they went in and won that Xfinity race at Daytona. Austin Hill, yeah. you know, he he was a four car. No. I mean, like I mean the, the, the company. I can't imagine a better start to a year for a company. Yeah, in the whole overall, not just one particular team, but the company than what they've got. Yeah, that's true. And there's a point in the Xfinity race at Fontana that they were positioned to win yeah. that race. Yeah, um, so. they are they are impressive. Uh, I guess sometimes we should maybe appreciate that more. Maybe I should appreciate that more because they they've been flash, you know. Mm. They'll be you know RCL show up and win a race, dominate, be strong as hell, and then disappear for a couple weeks, right? And and maybe I should appreciate what they're doing more. I don't know, um, but I want to see. You know, I, we got to get a little further into the year before I can kind of. I always. We always talk the way too early championship favorites. The oh. you know, we talk about those things. It's a it's a joke. We do it because it's fun, but it we're not really. We don't yeah, really you had your whole sixteen. I know. <laughs> I don't. I mean that ain't gonna work out for me, right? Yeah. So, uh, so you're not crowning Kyle the champion, is what no, you're saying? <laughs> yeah. I think we got to see a few more races. And um, man, I I'll be honest with you. I hope that this situation for RCR is good for Kyle. Not just professionally, but personally, because you know whatever it is that has uh, that has frustrated him over the years and 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 been difficult for him. I hope that all those things are much easier and and uh, RCR and those t- those people give him you know allow him to have uh, you know a little more uh, of a of a peaceful, settled disposition. Right? I'm with you, but can I make a motion 
for the industry to stop saying that De- uh, that Richard Childress has found his Dale Earnhardt type driver in Kyle Busch. That to me is starting to really annoy me. And I've heard it every week. I've heard it every week on the broadcast. And I like I, I'm not going to sit there and um, you know I'm not going to sit there and, and and harp on it too hard. I'm just saying. Let's let's give Kyle his credit that he deserves, and let's not go sit there and rope Dale Earnhardt, who is on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, you know, make this about him as well. This is just they're two separate things. I'm kind of tired of hearing that. Are you? Well, I think that the comparison ends that they are winners and they're champions, but there's really nothing between the two, and I know both of them pretty well. Uh, there's nothing else <laughs> that reminds me of either one of them, right? Um, I, I wonder why uh, Clint says that every broadcast, uh, very emphatically. And uh, I don't, you know, I kind of wonder what he's, what he, what he sees that maybe we don't see. It's not Dale Earnhardt. I'm just saying we don't need to, like, it's just almost like a lazy narrative because it's like, I, I, I made the joke where it's like, I think I'm just going to call every driver who, uh, uh, whoever drove their car number back in the 90s. Like, you know, I'm glad Jack Roush has finally found his Mark Martin in Brad Kozlowski. I'm so glad that he's – and I am so glad that Joe Gibbs has his Bobby Labonte now in the, in the form of Ty Gibbs. I, is this how we're going to do this all year, or is it just complete yeah. bullcrap? It's bullcrap. Look, it was fine. You said it at the yeah. Clash. They said it at Daytona. Let's move on. Yeah. It's not Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> I, I, I hear what you're saying, and, um, you know, I think, that, I think about that, though, and there's times when uh, – you know, I've you've you've compared drivers, or we compare drivers to David Pearson, uh, uh, Richard Petty, other greats, because of you know the style, right? Um, so I kind of, I don't know if you you can't just say, hey man, you're not you know you're not allowed to compare anybody to Dale Earnhardt, but I think that you know I, I don't know exactly where I land on that because there are times when you're like, hey man, you know this guy, he reminds me of David Pearson because he. You know, the Silver Fox was kind of always lurking. And then right at the end of the race, he's the fastest thing going. Maybe Kyle Busch was like David Pearson this past weekend, more than Dale Earnhardt. So I kind of want, I kind of, there's a part of me that likes to hear dad's name mentioned or hear him recognized or people think, okay, this guy's, that reminded me of him or, but I think, yeah, a little more, a little more detail would be from, you know, if you're going to say this is the, you know, Richard's found his Dale Earnhardt. Like, you know, he's found his winning driver. Right. He's found his champion. He's yeah. found he's found the team. Uh, right. He, you know, Earnhardt made RCR what it was. You you know, arguably, uh, this guy can keep it going. He can do for the team the same thing going forward. Yeah, that's a good point. Without giving more context to that thought, it seems to minimize the accomplishments of Dale Earnhardt. That's yeah. why I guess that's my point. Yeah. Um. Anyways, well. It's going to be awesome to see how things go in Vegas. Kind of a similar racetrack to Fontana. Wore out. Multiple grooves. Cars sliding around. Put on a good race. Um, So I'm looking forward to this weekend. Junior Motorsports. Man, what an eventful race they had at Fontana. Got a couple guys. uh, Three of them finishing the top five. Uh, Josh Berry bounced off a few things. Uh, (laughs) That was funny. He bounced, I, he bounced some yeah. people. You know, the thing on the back straight away with the two, you know, the two just threw a block and, and Josh was coming. You know, Josh had a, Josh had the momentum. That was kind of like a, a a racing accident. But um, the Reddick slam, the funny thing is, is so Reddick got, the one car gets Reddick off of turn two, lap one. 
Brandon Jones cleared himself across his nose off of four at some point in the race and spun himself out. And then Reddick gets destroyed off of four by Josh. And so I'm thinking, man, Reddick's been hit. Did you? Yeah. Reddick was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's probably like, what's going on? Yeah. But uh, I called TJ and I said, TJ, I'm sure you were telling Josh there was a car up there. He goes, yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> I talked to Josh and I was, he was like, man, I had no clue he was there. I thought, because Josh was passing three cars in that corner. He cleared two guys in the middle of the corner and all toward corner exit. And I guess he just thought he was clear to the fence. And uh, and he wasn't right. He he full commit. Yeah. To the to the fence. Brett Gray, Brett Griffin gave TJ a little bit of grief about that uh, today. Yeah. Uh, what was uh, this it? week on DVC? I was just saying, you know, what, what you got to go out wrecking people for yeah. like that? You know, driving right through them. I'm surprised and TJ didn't even try to make a defense of it. He knew he's like, yeah. Hey. I'm surprised that both. I know the 24 was worse for wear after that. That's hard. That's hard to get slammed and shoved into the wall like that. But I was actually even surprised Josh's car wasn't more injured. Uh, Garage 56, they've, uh, they've announced that that car is going to be number 24. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Jimmy's driving it. I wonder why they didn't pick 48. There must already be a 48. I don't know. Yeah. I don't probably. Know. I mean, they're going to start 60 or 80 cars or something like that. I'm sure there's probably only a select few numbers to choose from. I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, we just did that deal with Garage 56 down in Daytona. I guess there wasn't a car number on it. Not, I didn't even notice. Yeah, I, I would assume there was a car number on it, but yeah. there wasn't. Um, number 24. All right. Larson, uh, Kyle Larson's going to run Indy now. It's been reported that it's a two-year deal racing in Indy in 24 and 25. If everything goes well, he's supposed to test this year, I hear. Can't wait to see how all that goes. Oh, that'd be cool. I get really excited when cup guys go do that. Yeah. 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 And a two year deal is a good commitment. I like that. Yep. Uh, so, um, by the way, you got me thinking on IndyCar. Yeah. You know, we do have a uh, Scott Dixon coming in this week. We he need is. To, I we know. Need I'm just getting ready to write some notes now. We, we need to talk to him about Kyle Larson. Um, the other thing is, uh, Connor Daly has Jimmy Johnson on Speed Street this week. Mm -hmm. And so that'll be fun. Um, and uh, they can talk about that Garage 56 some more. Hey, downloaders, now listen up. A few of you are thinking about getting out of the house this weekend. I know. Some of you are just thinking about it. Maybe a little trip, a little off-the-cuff deal. There's some fantastic weather. You want to enjoy it. Here's an idea. Go to the race. Yes, go to the race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I don't care where you live. You can get to Las Vegas easily. It's not so crazy. Just think. There's no track on the circuit more suited for a last-minute Kind of just fly by the seat of your pants type weekend, right? Because you got your restaurants, you got hotels. None of those things are a problem. You got plenty of options. Any kind of uh, uh, price point, you can do any of that. Accommodations all in one place. Oh, and then there's the Pennzoil 400 on Sunday. The only track on the circuit where Cirque performers, you know, Cirque du Soleil, and acrobatic acts are they're, they're going to be at the racetrack, right? But what's unexpected is the battle for the finish, the bragging rights and the trophy, because I don't know if you remember last year at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, wow, what a finish, especially this spring race. I'm telling you, they do put on a good show. Vegas sets a scene like no other. The lights, the action, they're all part of the experience. Uncle Cracker will entertain race fans, followed by driver introductions, which is always a fan favorite. The neon garage, there's no garage in the circuit like it, right? It allows fans up-close access to the teams as they work on their vehicles and are maybe even lucky enough to get a driver's autograph. By the way, if you're going to camp, you know, go take your RV. You know, you won't miss any of the action. By the way, Las Vegas entertains their campers with goat yoga, Country line dancing, karaoke, 
and a NASCAR Tech Talk. It's all at LVMS. So somebody out there needs to get away, and you're thinking about it, and you're just trying to find out what to do, Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. It's sitting there. You go buy your tickets at LVMS.com. Tickets at LVMS.com. I will be out there. A lot of the Dirty Mo Media people will be out there. So we hope to see you. LVMS.com. Go get your tickets today. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Well, should we get to some ass, Junior? Yes, we should. All right. Let's get it fired up. And we are live. Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. Thanks for tuning in to Ask Jr. here uh, in the Bojangles studio. Andrew has your questions uh, ready to go. Let's get it started. Yeah, this first one is coming from Ryan. If social media were around in the early 2000s, how do you think you would use it? Oh, man. <laughs> um, probably about the same. Uh, probably. Uh, probably the same, but you remember when we first started using social media it was like hey this is what i have for lunch um here's here's my dog uh silly stuff right just dumb dumb things everyday normal life none we we don't do any of that no more right we're like yeah yeah that's it's got to be throwback thursday oh yeah Yeah, remember that stuff couldn't miss a thursday right couldn't wait till thursday had it all lined up all the throwbacks you were gonna (laughs) post um they would i think there would be a lot more of that had we done this you know, 20 years or 10 years before, uh, we would have been even sillier. Yeah, like all the cheesy trends. Cheesy, cheesy. Yeah. Super cheesy, yeah. How do you think you would document just like yourself as a, a, a up-and-coming race car driver? You think it would be the same? I think it would. Uh, I think it would, especially because in the when you're young – I think when you're young in your 20s and and, and early 30s, you're seeking attention, seeking affirmation, yeah. seeking accomplishments, seek, checking boxes, right? And and social media helps you sort of climb these uh, these imagined ladders, uh, and and give you that affirmation. Like, you know, man, I uh, you know, peop- there'd be a lot of guy, there'd be a lot of going on Twitter and going, man, that was a tough race. I'm sorry, I let everybody down. Uh, and only to get the the reaction of well, you'll get them next week. Okay, yeah, I feel good. I'm back together. I'm you know, and then there would be a lot of I don't know. There would be a lot of uh, seeking affirmation and just I could tell you this. Yeah, it would have been a treat for 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 all of us to. If you think about Dale Jr.'s career back in the early 2000s <laughs> with Anheuser Busch and the amount of cool stuff you got to do i yeah. mean like if you would have hey. even to, you know think about ringside at an arturo Gotti fight yeah. or you know filming a super bowl commercial like if to be able to have seen just kind of like behind the scenes of any of those yeah. things back in the ab days when they were at their height when ab was just spending money going to bars for appearances think about social media if, if we'd have had it back then it would have been amazing yeah i uh yeah i guess so i don't know man i i, I you would have been you would have allowed it to become a more another source of anxiety probably for sure yeah but 
at the same time, think about it. Like how much bigger things would have been had people, we've been able to really had that megaphone. You know, social media is a giant megaphone of this is where we are. This is what we're doing. This is what we're involved in today. And like you say, all the things that we did with Bud back in the day, even early with, with Rick when we went to drive at HMS, um, that having that much more reach would have made it even massive, more massive oh, yeah. than it was. Yeah. And, man, 04. 04. 04. <laughs> holy crap. What a year. Can you imagine the, like, you know, the, the tweet from Dale where it's like, Tony Jr. is such a Yeah. <laughs> I would have never done that. Have I ever tweeted such language? Yes. That's not who I am. I've said an F-bomb here and there. In 04, you would have. I do F-bombs from time to time, <laughs> but not anymore, really. Well, if only we had a time machine, we yeah. would have seen what it would have been like. Uh, this next one coming from Tim Cruz. Uh, who inspired you most growing up? Huh. I know it's a broad question. It is. I, uh, you know, dad uh, was certainly driving a lot of decisions and s- inspiring me one way or another. Um, I pulled for Jimmy Means, who was an independent. I thought it was cool that he, you know, worked as hard as he did with so very. It was just fun to, not fun, probably not fun for him to work so hard, but it was really inspiring to see somebody work so hard with very little. While I knew at the same time everything that dad and other teams had. Right, I could see behind the curtain of, of Richard Childress and Dad and those guys that were winning races. And that made me really appreciate Jimmy and the Independent more uh, because I could also know in detail what they were using and doing to race. And uh, so I think that was good to have that balance of knowing what it was like to be on that other side. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, Brad Means, Jimmy's son, you know, he was pretty – uh, transparent with me on some of the struggles they had and the, the, the things they had to do to compete. And so it really made me appreciate that. Last week we talked about, uh, you know, the MTV Music Awards. This question coming from William, what's the best concert you've been to? Oh, man. The best concert. You know, it's always kind of like the last one, I guess. Uh, some of the best concerts that you go to. I, um, I'm into punk pop music. So like the Dangerous Summer yeah. was a good one. I went to a Pine Grove concert that sounded really good. Um, Wonder Years, but um, that's some of the recent stuff. Uh, Lord Huron been to a couple of their concerts. Um, that's really good. Way way back in the day, my very first concert was Moody Blues in Chicago. Really? Yeah, and that was really good. Sixteen years old. Uh, I remember going to see Alanis Morissette and Live, the band Live. Hmm. Um, and I remember uh, very vivid moments during those concerts where I was like, this sounds and, and is incredible. I'm, this is awesome. So uh, I went to see Primus, God, uh, Green Day, um, way back in the 90s. You ever done a mosh pit? Oh, yeah. You did? Several times. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I would love to see that. I used to wear <laughs> airwalks. And baggy pants. Uh, I had this phase when I was, it was like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and then, you know, Primus and Green Day and all that good stuff back in the late 90s. So, yeah. First show in Chicago? What brought you there? Huh? You said the first show was in Chicago? No, no the, the band, band Oh, the band Chicago. Oh. Andrew. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm still It was in <laughs> Charlotte. Yeah. I don't okay. know. It was the Blockbuster Pavilion back then. Yeah. It's, uh, I think, the Verizon I bet it's not Blockbuster. I don't know what it is now. Yeah. 
do you ever do you ever hear like songs from the band Chicago and like does it take you back to that Nights first concert? And, uh, the Moody Blues Nights in White Satin. I remember when they sang that uh, at that concert, and I that was I, and so you know I I didn't really know no or really I didn't know this music when I was sixteen. Yeah, I'd heard it, but uh, you you go to this is what I do. I go to a concert. And man, I w- I'm obsessed with that band from that moment on. And I listened to, you know, I listened to Nice and White Satin a lot after that. Yeah. And uh, which is kind of strange. I mean, I was into, you know, I was into, I guess when I was 16, shoot, I was probably into Poison and Motley Crue and all that stuff. We all was wearing those t-shirts in school. Um, and then, but I'd ride around in my truck and pop in a little nights in white satin. I was probably the only one in in my school doing that. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were riding around just this week and I hit a Chicago song. Um, uh, and, and man, we, yeah. we, we hit, we hit the way we had to go dial in some more Chicago. Yeah. Um, underrated. I like, I know that they're a big band and everything, but like, I don't think they get the attention they deserve. That's yeah. a good thing. I got some good songs, man. Oh Yeah. I had a, a one, I had like an eight month stretch when I was in military school. I listened to nothing but Boston. Oh, I, re- I remember you said that. <laughs> I have yeah, no idea yeah, how that happens. Yeah. I had the same thing go with me with ABBA. I heard that. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I was in the dorm. I was in the dorm in military school, and somebody was playing it out of that room, and I was like, "I like that. That's good." And so they gave me a tape, and uh, man, I wore that thing out. I was like, "It's all good." Boston, not the location, Andrew. It's a Boston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm all caught up now. Um, all right, I think we have time for one more. Did you ever, this one's coming from Kelly, did you ever name your cars? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. remember some yeah. of them? What was your favorite one that, that you named? Um, we had one called Mach 5. We had one called East Coast Drifter. Um, everybody remembers Amelia. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had the red, Red-Headed Stepchild, which was our short track car with a drop snout. And uh, we won a lot of races with that in 1998, 99. Um, <laughs> Redheaded stepchild. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, the, the Gossamer car. We called that car Gossamer. Uh, that we we won one race with it, raced it once, and dominated. Um, so yeah, naming cars is fun. The thing is, is today, um, the car that I, the the old Sundrop car. That I raced in ni- in the '90s that we've we've sort of brought back uh, for the Cars Tour at North Willsboro. That car was Ralph. Mm. It just had <laughs> Ralph on the roll bar. Um, and so when you look at the car today that I ra- that I raced at Wilkesboro last year and will race again, we it's got Ralph right it's there. It's Ralph on the again. Yeah, it is Ralph again. Ralph is back. Um, the th- naming cars was was a lot of fun and a, almost a must when you race the car enough right when you took that car and ran it for a year or more you would develop this sort of uh, track record of performance and behaviors yeah that car was tight in the middle always or really loose in and whatever those behaviors that this car seemed to seem to have would would sometimes determine the name but uh when we started building new cars every month and you would race uh, you know, you'd race your mile and a half or, or short track car twice and then, and then, you know, sell it to, uh, the 51 team or, or sell it to someone else. You know, these cars were being built and sold and built and sold every three or four months. You couldn't name them. You was pointless to name them. They were going to be gone, right? You could, you didn't want to develop this sort of appreciation attachment, or yeah. attachment to it. 
And But now, I think with the current next-gen car, it's possible the names could come back because these center cages could stick around for a long time, right? These teams could race these these chassis or the base, the basic um, nucleus of the chassis for for a while. I'd encourage, uh, I always encouraged names for cars because you you would have an attachment for it, and that would it just made you more invested. Yeah. Anything that invests you more emotionally and personally is is a good thing. I'd be curious to learn some of the uh, backstories behind some of the names yeah. that you listed. Daryl Walter, Daryl Walter. Well, the East Coast Drifter was a car that we just ran everywhere. I have that car. Uh, I raced it in the nineties. Um, I have it over my shop. I'm trying to restore it, but we just ran it everywhere. I ran it at East Carolina Motor Speedway, Hickory, Florence. Um, it was just a it was just a throwaway. Nobody wanted it. We I took it and fixed it up and raced it whenever we weren't running week weekly at Myrtle Beach. So um, it was just I liked the High Plains Drifter, Clint Eastwood movies and stuff like that. Yeah. So we called it the East Coast Drifter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that, Andrew. I got a question for him. All I, right, I know go, you were go for it. In, but uh, Denny said on his podcast that in two thousand four two thousand five. You tried to recruit him to come over to DEI. Mm-hmm. You remember this? Yeah. Did, did you really try to get? Oh him? yeah. So me and Denny were hanging out a lot back then. Yeah. Remember Denny coming into uh, the 2004 Victory Lane? We won Daytona. Yep. He hung. So Denny calls me. Uh, we were sim racing and we were on online talking online, just joking and racing online, almost every night with a big group of people and um, the same group every night. We all hung out together and so. Uh, he calls me one day and he goes, Hey man, I've got a meeting with Joe Gibbs to possibly get to drive his Xfinity car in Daytona. And I got nowhere to stay. And I said, come stay on the bus. So he spent the night on the bus, like two or three nights during speed weeks for 2004. And so he had his meeting and, um, secretly, even then I was like, man, I wish I could get him to come to DI. I wish we were hiring him, not Joe Gibbs. But uh, he goes and has his meeting, and he's like, I guess um, we'll go home. I was like, oh, man, you ought to stay, man. Watch, you have you know, Daytona 500. So I think he ends up spending the night. We win the race, and uh, he goes to Victor Lane, and I, I hand him the trophy, and he carries the trophy back to the bus after we win, um, which we talked about before. So we had a, a pretty good friendship. Um, you know, he, would, he showed up the house one morning with, with McDonald's just unannounced. Mm. You know, that type of friendship, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, he, uh, I think, you know, Richie Gilmore or somebody or Ty Norris or somebody at DI was like, we should, we should talk to him or see if he'd be interested in driving the 15 car. And so I went to him and it was very brief. I was just like, hey, man, I want you to know this is an opportunity available to you. I don't know what you're doing or how, you know, how you feel about your future, where you're at, but I want you to consider it. And, uh, I could tell right away that he was pretty happy with where he was, pretty, con- you know, feeling good about it, uh, liked his responsibilities and the cars he was driving and thought, man, I'm not going to, you know, I'm on a good track, right? Mm. I don't want to, I want to change, I don't want to make a change. Um, I don't know what that would have done for DEI, might have, might have made a world of difference, might not have made any difference at all, but he was a very good race car driver and a lot of people were looking to try to, you know, land him he talked about uh the 88 team robert yates was trying to get him to come over at that same time but yeah i reached out to him and um i remember reaching out to him we talked about it with uh, kyle bush when kyle was on the show uh i stopped kyle in in the parking lot and was like hey man don't know what you're doing but we'd love to have you come drive for us so uh, back then i was 
doing a little bit of scouting, not a, not as much as I do these days. But I, I guess the interesting part of that, and what probably people are thinking, is that you had a driver for the fifteen. And I remember when Michael was in here, and I think that there was I can't remember exactly the story, but he was talking about reading something in NASCAR scene, maybe or whatever. But there was some. I don't know, some uncertainty about his future, but he wasn't actually being told that. It's just, I guess I find it interesting that in 2004 or 2005, especially if it was 2005, you know, when there was so much turmoil going on at DEI. I, yeah, I uh, wonder but, when exactly it was Yeah, as far as what the timeline is. But, yeah, they. Yeah. I was I was asked to go see if he'd have any interest. Just because of your relationship. It wasn't yeah. like you were out looking for people to no. come drive cars. Right, yeah. right. Okay. All right, y'all. Thank you uh, for those questions. Thank you, Andrew. And, again, thanks for supporting everything we do here at Dirty Mo Media. Um, again, Scott Dixon is our guest for tomorrow's episode. And uh, don't forget our Thursday recap. Uh, Dirty Mo Doe with Steve Letarte coming out every Thursday. That is getting some great traction, getting some great feedback from that show. I've heard a lot of people talking about how fun it is to listen to Steve uh, sort of handicap the field. They're learning a lot about the uh, the you know the 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 betting odds and all those things and what they mean and I'm learning a lot as well because I'm not very uh, not very up on all that terminology but Steve's fun to listen to um, Denny Hamlin getting incredible reviews for Actions Detrimental yep. out every Monday he uh, he's been working his tail off runs that race at at, at uh, Auto Club and then uh, had his podcast out and available the next morning. They taped that night. Yep. They, they stayed out in Arizona and taped. Good job, Denny. And yep. uh, everybody really appreciates the effort you're putting in, and uh, the feedback is showing it. Uh, door bumper clear. Those guys are hitting on all cylinders. Speed They're, Street also. Yep. Uh, amazing. Hey, Door bumper clear and Speed Street are in mid-season form. Yeah, that's true. I would true. say. But Speed Street, listen, if you, if you didn't go listen to Connor Daly talk about his Daytona car – his Daytona experience in vivid detail. Do yourself a favor and go to last week's Speed Street and just sit back and enjoy. Holy crap, that thing. Yeah. It is amazing. And then he had Frankie Munez on, and, and that was a good interview. So anyway, and they got Jimmy Johnson on this week. Yep, Jimmy Johnson. So uh, Speed Street is going to be great too, especially as we get closer and closer to the month of May for Indianapolis 500. You're definitely going to want to be tuned in uh, as those guys talk more and more in detail preparing for that week or that month. Appreciate everybody tuning in this Tuesday. Great episode, great conversations, uh, a lot of question marks about uh, you know certain things, Southern California and uh, Auto Club Speedway. Everybody's going to be watching Kyle Busch even more closely now that he has shown they can win races out of the gate. What kind of year will he have? Uh, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Remember, Scott Dixon is our guest tomorrow on uh, the Dale Jr. Download, that'll be episode 419. You won't want to miss it, and we'll see you then. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Tell them what you want. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Instagram.